This call is being recorded. Hello and welcome to my show, Searching for Integrity. My name really is John Smith, and I'm searching for people with integrity. Why? Because our country suffers from IDD, Integrity Deficit Disorder. We have as our guest today, Deborah Lewis, also known as Deb Lewis, Army retired Colonel, United States of America, who is the author of a recent book entitled, Why is Pono Not Pono Today? Take Kids from Stressed to Success. That's good. I like that. Are you out there? I am out here, John. Thank you. Very good. Deborah's in uh, Hawaii. I am. Uh, Aloha. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. I, uh, we always, when we had that one vacation, I said to myself, once we tried all the islands, uh, I, I got back and I said, you know, I can't, I can't decide where I want to live. And, uh, and uh, you're lucky to be there, I can tell you that. Well, I would use the word blessed. And mm -hmm. our question was, where's the ideal place for us to live? And mm -hmm. on one of our journeys, my husband rode a bicycle after I retired 18,000 miles to all 50 states. And I drove the RV 26,000 miles. And everywhere we went, we loved everywhere we went, but we asked ourselves, where's the ideal place to live? And I'll tell you, all signs and fate pointed to Hawaii and specifically Hilo Town on the Big Island. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's uh, that's you're okay. You're blessed, and you're lucky too. <laughs> um, I uh, have looked over your material. There's a lot to it, and uh, I'm impressed by all of it, um, especially about the. Uh, uh, your your Pono book, and now is is Pono a kind of a, a Hawaiian name? Absolutely, and thank you for asking, John, because people look at it, and sometimes when people see a name, I love how you approached it. You were the first one, because people say like jokes or things like that, and it's like, no, this is a very serious word in Hawaiian, and I love the Hawaiian language. Most of us are familiar with aloha and aloha being very positive, being welcoming, and, you know, whether you're saying goodbye or hello, it just, you know, makes you think of our islands, right? Well, pono is a word that can be a proper word, such as the name of a person or a bull or at least a nickname. And in my case, I named the bull pono. But it actually is when you take a look at the context of the word Think of it, I like to think of it like a thermometer. You know, how are you doing? <laughs> Sometimes mm -hmm. people have a smile painted, pasted on their face and the rest of us can detect there's something off. If you know mm -hmm. that person well, or even if you don't, some people have a real good detector and they can say, are you okay? Are you Pono? And so Pono can refer to your person or it can refer to your area or it can refer to your job, are you Pono, you know, how are things working? Really like a snapshot, it's an assessment to say, how's that going? Mm -hmm. And there's another word in the book, which you might have seen, 
So Pono is the main character, although I will tell you the other one is the one who is the influencer. Much smaller and uh, always smiling or happy. Uh, her name is Kuliana. That is another Hawaiian word, has significant importance in our culture, in the culture here in Hawaii. And that's because it's not normally a proper word, but it was perfect for this, what I was depicting in the book. And kuleana is about our responsibility, but not in a discipline area or a discipline way or an enforcing way. It, kuleana is how do we make things work? If Pono isn't Pono today, then how do we help Pono? And it's the same, you could use the title, why is John not John today? I'm sure there are days that where you struggle. <laughs> and you say, where, you know, what can, kuleana is that action word that will go into action in order to bring things to be Pono. And when you're Pono, you can live in aloha. So people wonder, what's the secret to happiness? Well, you have to know when are you not there <laughs> And then what do you need to do in order to achieve that for yourself? Now, that's a big term, too, happiness. What does that really mean? But when maybe you just need to feel good. Maybe if you have a headache, you need to take an aspirin or a arnicare, which is, uh, which is what I'm taking now. Um, but, you know, the things, what can you take in order to, to feel better, to do things at your best? Because really my goal is, has been always to help people be the best that they can be. Well, that's great. Um, it's uh, I'm not going to ask you uh, your degree of statistical good and bad about it. I guess that's that's worldwide. I think. Let's just say how I've been very successful in influencing others to bring out their best. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, did you do this at West Point? Yeah. Any of that, or were you swallowed up by the military? I would say that like most people, it's important to be challenged young and often. And in my younger days, I would say it was, I had something behind me because my dad has a great sense of service. He was in the military many more years than I was, served in World War II, Korea, right at the beginning, and also in Vietnam twice. Um, great sense of service to others, and also had incredible relationships with his classmates who were the class of 50. Many of them had been in World War II, and then they went to West Point and graduated, and boop, they're off to Korea, where quite a number died. When you're in life and death situations, what matters are those relationships. And so taking care of each other, being thoughtful about each other. Yes, I learned that from my dad and also my mom. My mom had grown up as a world traveler with her family, and she was there to assist my dad in doing his job. And she was doing all kinds of things, but she was also a very strong woman. She, and she taught me how to ride horses. My dad taught me how to swim. You know, you, you learn that um, life is not about winning all the time. People want this winning all the time. What is that? We should be learning all the time. I have a very strong um, attitude about wanting to learn what's the truth, what can I understand. What, if something is an unmet expectation, rather than always getting angry, you can get angry, I think, sometimes like at a stoplight. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, why did it stop before me? You know, that's an unmet mm -hmm. expectation. My expectation is I want it green. 
I want it green. I want to go home. But how many times does that happen? You know, calm down, calm down, calm down. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And yet okay. I, can, I can fall into it. That's reactionary. But I think yeah. that in, in the beginning at West Point and those things, I was still reacting to people hating me, hating me, not just disliking me, but hating me mm-hmm. because of what I was. I stood right. for being a woman who was social change, first class at West Point. Um, people were disagreeable growing up as we moved around. You know, they wouldn't necessarily be welcoming or people would stab you in the back or whatever because of weird things, but never the, you know, the flame of going into the first year at West Point, which, oh, by the way, for anyone going there, it's hard anyway. You know, it's, you knew it would be a hard experience, but there was that undercurrent of the social change that I think the women, the 119 of us, really didn't comprehend we were truly walking into a social revolution. But I'm happy to say out of 119 who entered, we should be very, very proud. 62 of us were able to graduate, and the others, oh, by the way, were the leading edge, and we need to constantly thank them for being part of the 119 because you can't always get through things. You know, everybody gets challenged in life. There's all sorts of reasons why they may not have graduated. But today we have over 5,000 women have graduated from the academy and and very, very proud of that. I would think so. I would think so. It, um, it causes me to be curious about why most reactions uh, to stress is destruction. Ooh, you know where that's embedded. <laughs> You know where that's in bed? I shouldn't be laughing, but, I, you know, it's like that was one, that, that insight, that light bulb moment, John, was mm-hmm. so illuminating for me. Do you know why it's so hard to, to do what the things I'm going to talk about that takes skill, takes discipline, takes courage, takes leadership, all the things that I talk about, what I do, was shaped like you would forge a blade, <laughs> You know, mm-hmm. that crucible, that, that, that huge pressure. And the huge pressure we each face is our hard wiring and our soft wiring. Our hard wiring is our survival mode thinking. That is literally, you know, ironed into us early, early, early in our, in our genes. It's how we survived all these years, you know, with these dangers out there. And so what does our survival mode tell us to react with? Because it's instantaneous. We, it's like a horse taking off, you know, and it's, it's like, wait a minute, I'm not on you yet. <laughs> you know, that's the reaction within us. And it's we're going to fight someone. This gets back to unmet expectations again. If it's not, what I expect is a nice, lovely, wonderful life. And then... Something changes, and I see it as a threat. As soon as mm-hmm. we see anything as a threat, that engages our survival mode thinking. Fight, flight, and people say freeze, but it's really shutting down. You disengage. You, you, you're physically there, but you are not a participant. And that last one is the one that's absolutely killing the potential of our businesses and our world today. Anybody who has a job, if you are disengaged, you're physically there doing the bare minimum, that means that wonderful, amazing talent that we have in each of us 
is is shackled, absolutely shackled by those three strategies. Those are, to me, those are the biggest curse on our world is that we think those strategies are helpful. And every one of those not just hurt the people around us, they hurt us most of all, each of us. And when you understand that so clearly, and I can still fall into it, trust me, when you understand it so clearly, your actions change completely. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's not easy to, to train that. It's not easy to, you know, the, the subject in hand, it, it's, uh, they vary from A to Z. Yes, and you have it, a physical it, reaction, plus mm-hmm. you have a mental reaction. So I have a course that I've made. When COVID hit, I had just created two courses that I felt were like the foundation. I build foundations for success. So the foundation that I felt had to do with stress was you had to understand and be able to handle extreme stress because those extreme stress moments are when you truly aren't yourself. And so there's five steps that I've learned over a lifetime I am the practical behavioralist. I only do those things that after thousands and thousands of real-life examples under stress, like West Point, per se, that was a, that was a real big, you know, example. Um, mm-hmm. You know, what works? What works? And I learned it my second day was step one in my course of extreme stress. And the other course is called Stress Basics. Both I made free because I felt, you know what? Everybody needs to understand the ABCs. They won't be necessarily skilled, as you said. You, it takes work to change what you have as a habit and plus what is really hardwired into us. And I didn't talk about a little, only a little bit was the soft wiring. Culture encourages us to do those reactionary strategies. It tells us you should fight. You should protest. You should take down this. You know, you should throw, you know, it, it's all those are terrible advice and so that's Mm -hmm. yes it's a lot of work in order to do it but without the understanding of why the reason why see we talk about behavioral styles that's the what it's the attitudes that explain the why and and when I did the um, disc assessment way way back ago uh, which some people will talk about it made it so clear my how why I do what I do and I was very different from a large part of the people. You know, it's like you just try to explain it. Oh, she's a woman. That's why she's different. No, no. It was my attitudes and my values and my behavioral style. You made a, a, a list, short list, that I answered each one to myself and made some comments. And the first mm-hmm. item is stress can confuse and blind you. And I wrote a yes, yes next to that one. Book. Yeah. Uh-huh. And um, and then the next thing I had a comment after that, stress can confuse and blind you. Is that what brain fog is? It, you think that's could that be an occurrence? It's, a, it's really it's really the survival mode thinking. You get triggered to react. Mm-hmm. When you're in reaction mode and not responding, you are not using your wisdom of your life. You know if you yell at, you know 
I know you know this. If you've met somebody new, if I met you new and I yelled at you and said it, terrible things, I won't say them because I don't want you to feel the energy. <laughs> but you know I could come up and say, as you've met some people, that they can meet you whether you're in a job or something and they yell at you. You mm-hmm. have just shaken the foundation of whatever relationship you have and you have broken that trust. And that is just an automatic reaction if you've never practiced the discipline and control to understand that if you go in that direction, even a single inch, you have just stepped into a quagmire of, of having to spend an enormous amount of time, if ever, to be able to turn that relationship around. And so, yes, stress. If you have poor stress skills, you will see them do those survival mode thinking responses, those strategies. And when you see that, it blinds you to the million other options that you have that are far better at achieving whatever it is you want. You want stronger relationships. You want to be happier. You want to stay in a job and and get the best out of your people or even enjoy, you know, learning or get greater insights. Right. You you can't let stress confuse and blind you, but it can if you have no skill. Another item. You can learn to take the hot out of the hot button. I, and my yeah. comment was, I agreed with that. Yeah. Because I've had to do that many times. Um, and the quicker I learned that, the easier your life became. <laughs> But each of us can be pushed to the edge, John. Each yeah. of us, it just takes us. And what inspired that book was actually I have a have a class that I gave was called um, uh, Hot Button, no, Car Fires, Hot Buttons, and Happy Endings. Okay. <laughs> because we can all be pushed to going negative. And, right. And that. And yet my husband was the Kuliana in that story because he asked me a particular question that completely changed me from a, that raging bull you see on the cover to um, turning around and getting everything I wanted within the week. Mm-hmm. But you have to take it out. And the funny thing was, is, is I was on a recent trip where I swear to you, I had, I stopped counting at 21. I had 21 stressful things happen to me that of any one of those, they could be a hot button for somebody, any one Mm. of them. And I had 21 of them in a 24-hour period. They just kept coming at me, coming at me. And you know what my thought was? Go ahead. These are going to be great to talk about later because you would say, (laughs) okay, you know, (laughs) You know, loved ones who are stressed out, that was just one simple one. You have a loved one who's stressed out in the moment, doesn't that, like, isn't that something that can set you off? Because, you know, for all sorts of reasons. But I actually, one of the events was I missed the only flight going out that day to get home. And I Mm. didn't even know if I had a place to stay that night. Um, Mm. Yeah. (laughs) That was it. Or the second, another one was I got trapped in a garage where my ticket wouldn't work. You know, your ticket, you go into a garage, and it's late at night. I mean, we're talking 11 p.m. It's late at night. There's almost nobody in the parking garage. So you're in this huge parking garage, and I put that ticket in every which way I could, and the gate would not let me out. Um, Yeah. (laughs) So anyway, all of those can can, uh, trigger you. So, yes, 
if you you can learn though to take the hot out of the mm-hmm. hot button because mm-hmm. if you focus in a in a special way and you stay calm and you and you're at your best you will get through it storms will pass there's but another you, one here i liked yep go ahead uh, there are better ways to solve a problem than a head-on assault. And I agreed with that, except if you're a football player. <laughs> but that's not the quarterback. <laughs> that's right. The quarterback, the quarterback does not do a head-on assault. Anytime the quarterback does it, forget it's it. It's a linebacker. <laughs> yes, but the bull um, metaphor is the right. one where you think that you have to ram things. Like people say, grab the bull by the horns. Have you ever seen someone try to grab a bull by the horns? I have. It's sure. not pretty. Yeah, Mexico. they'll toss them, they'll skewer them, they'll do all kinds of things. However, the smart cowgirl <laughs> will grab the tail. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they have some very skilled people who will do something else. And, and they're able to do it. So there are better ways. It's not what you think. There's always mm-hmm. a better way than reacting with survival mode thinking. Mm-hmm. Like this one. Be creative to turn negative stress into positive outcomes. And I put a note here that says, easier said than done. Yes. It takes skill. That's right. That's why I spent my whole life learning it. I but I'm a builder. I'm an engineer. I come up with systems. I can give you, I came up with over 100 models to say, how do you do that? But it all boils down to, are you willing to learn? Some people are, I'm an eager learner. I want, I have that desire to seek to understand. The ones who will make up their minds and don't, and they won't shake, you know, 100%, there's nothing you can provide to them that will have them change their attitude. Those are the ones we really can't help. But anyone who cares about learning and, and really what overrides it is if you care about making our world better, if you care about having strong relationships that you may not see someone for 30 years and when you do, it's like yesterday and you're so overjoyed to see them, that's my life. I, I, um, everyone I've touched in my life for whatever reason, however I got there, I've done my absolute best not to be to do what people did to me, be mean, uh, misjudge. I have a I have a shirt shirt that says underestimate me. That'll be fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's a you good know? one. <laughs> because people look at me. I'm five foot five. I smile a lot. You think my life has been easy? You're crazy. That's the same thing with most people who are the happiest. The happiest people are not the ones who've had the easy life. The happiest people are the ones who have been to the war and back and, as someone told me yesterday, eaten a lot of dirt. <laughs> and they come back and they choose to do this, be it this way. Who are the people you admire the most are not the ragers of the world. The people you admire the most are the ones that actually helped you gain special insights. So I love what I do. I absolutely love what I do. Well, I can see. Now, when you when you learn to respond instead of react, kindness always wins, and I agree with that. Yes, and here's um, here's what I found out. I we donated this book 
uh, had a had a donor who came in, and and I I was putting out words. He saw my book. He said, "Well, we need to get this in the schools." I said, "Yes," and he said, "Okay." He said, "Okay," and he donated it to an entire elementary school that's in our town. And then really? I created the training course uh, from stress to success for the kids. I created it, and then I taught the teachers. I did an online. I really only needed like one live component maybe two. And then they gave it in the classroom. So this last point you make, there was a young man, very special young man in the class. He was a fifth grader. And he came up to the teacher about one or two weeks uh, after the book had been issued. And he asked her if he could see her book because he didn't have his book in class. And he said, teacher, would it be all right if I looked at your book? And she said, sure. And he walked over and I kid you not, He said, I feel my mental stability slipping away, and I want to respond, not react. A fifth grader. Now, Mm -hmm. he was a very special fifth grader. Mm -hmm. He was autistic. Now, we we know on the autism spectrum, they have a very difficult time of controlling their emotions. And it makes me so sad some of the things that people are being told is to help them control their emotions you know what I want you to do if you're angry I want you to clench your fist and growl that is an example of of what training people are giving these poor kids that is not what I teach them to do imagine that young man as a 50 year old you know clenching his fist and growling in front of you how would you react? <laughs> I know that that's toxic negative energy. Mm-hmm. These kids know so much more than we give them credit for. You just have to watch the show Hot Shots to see, you know, third, three-year-olds, four-year-olds, five-year-olds running circles around the rest of us on doing anything from math to music to whatever. These kids we do not give enough credit for, and I hope to arm them, the families, and I really believe the adults. They will see the success of it. And so I am happy to change it one, one student, one person at a time. Well, it's a, it's a good book. Uh, I actually uh, climbed into my phone and listened to it on Audible. Thank you. Uh, just, just before the show. And uh, it was, uh, you know, it, it, I was nodding my head up and down more than I was back and forth. <laughs> and in the back there are instructive questions, in, not in the audible one, but in the, in the regular book. In the back there are uh, questions to guide. There's also a glossary in the back of the book mm-hmm. yeah. um, in order to understand the words better. Right. And, and you did a very good job on narrating the book. Uh, oh, a lot of books, you. people will do that, and they're not, they're not the person. For instance, with my book, uh, I decided not for, that I was not the one to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Because it was too too emotional for me. Yeah. Um, so nevertheless, nevertheless. Now you, you have you... been, you know, you, you. I think you being able to stand up and being able to do what you've done since your the abyss piece. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, when it's not what how we how you know what happens to us, it's how we react to it. I mean, you've or actually I should say respond to it, but. 
It's how we respond to those tough situations in life, pick ourselves up, dust ourselves off, and say, okay, what good can I do today? How can I help other people? How can I use experience to be better, to be stronger? If we don't have adversity, it's a lot like the trees that in Hawaii we have almost no soil because it's all lava rock. And we have these peat Uh, trees that got transplanted from Africa. They literally can grow 15 feet in a year. So they grow to these massive heights. It's called Albizia. And when a storm hit one time, one of the hurricanes, it knocked down um, of 225 incidents that knocked out power lines, 223, I think, were from the Albizia trees because they just fell over. These trees are known to lose their limbs. And, And why I say that is if you if you can't have a way to plant your foundation strong, then when the least amount of wind hits you, you will either implode or explode. That's, mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. that's the extreme of having poor stress skills. And right. you can see it in our suicide rates. You can see it in the killings and the harm that's being done to people. When you, when that's, the, that's the edges of it when people are just pushed to the edge. Um, and when you understand how to deal with it, then you will react with kindness because it's the love within you that's wanting to get out. People say love's the answer, and I agree. However, there is a challenge there. <laughs> if you are not mentally tough, and I have the symbols of a, of a sword, a helmet, and a shield, if you are not protected going out, this is like if you were going um, skiing. If you don't have a helmet on, you don't have mm-hmm. good skin on, you right. easily could hurt yourself. If mm-hmm. you think you can go out to change the world and you have not prepared properly, you will be slammed early. And that's my definition of a cynic, actually. Mm-hmm. A cynic is not what you think. A cynic is often a person who was an idealist, strong beliefs in making the world better, and then they got hammered. Right. And it's what you do after you get hammered. You can either become the cynic or you can figure it out and use kindness and love and say, okay, I'm going to figure out how to influence. I call it, it's leverage. It's mm-hmm. how, what can you leverage? And it may mean I'm not the one to do it. I don't have to have ownership and credit. I may find out that, hmm, that person doesn't listen to strangers or someone who's a new acquaintance. They only listen to this person. Let me work with this person, you know, and maybe we can we can get some progress. It's what works. I'm a very – you should see the obstacle course. I don't think I mentioned that. There's an obstacle course at West Point, and it was something that took me four years to figure out. This is not something you're going to get overnight, as you said. It's, it's hard to do. Um, and I – by the end of the fourth year, though, I got an A+. Plus. <laughs> the the – <laughs> If you looked at me, if you took a video of me in the earlier years, you would see someone struggling mightily. I'm five foot five, and uh, they have like an eight foot shelf. That's one. But I found that I could swing my foot higher than my head. Guys could just like leap up there, grab the lip, and fling themselves up. That wasn't me. I had to jump up, barely catch my fingertips to it, swing my foot up there into the crook of the lip and then flip my body over to get there. So it took longer, and it took a lot of strength and flexibility. They had a 10-foot wall 
which I thought was the worst obstacle. And I learned when I asked someone for help, which is what I encourage people to do, is ask people for help if you've got a challenge instead of trying it always on your own. And they showed me that that was the easiest obstacle. I could come running at it, and I knew exactly where to put my feet and what to do, and I flipped right over it, almost no energy and no loss of speed. Um, Other things, like the rope, that was my nemesis. The rope was my nemesis, because after you've done all these other obstacles, your your arms and your legs, everything's exhausted. There's nothing left. Yes, and you're expected to climb a rope to the upper level, two stories. And right. I one day, I got to the, the, I think it was my second year, I got to the top, I put my hand above the line where you had to reach before you could swing over, and everything cramped. Everything seized up, and I fell down the rope. Luckily, didn't hurt myself because my legs were little, had a little tiny bit of strength left. And then they penalized me. <laughs> they made me stand there oh, before that. I could go up the ladder. It's like, oh, my right. gosh. You know, I lost all that time. So that's why it took me four years. But finally, I, I figured out a way to do it all. And that's life. Life is mm-hmm. life can be an obstacle course that you're going to say is going to keep me in my, uh, standing where I'm at, or I can get that team and help me figure out how do I – how do I go through this? How can I make this work for me? And at the end, feel accomplished, not feeling mad or angry, but feeling, wow, yeah, I did it. And that's the way I feel about life. I made it through all that stuff. (laughs) Would you take a minute and uh, tell my listeners where they can find your book and uh, where they can find you too? Yes, yes. Um, So my website, is mentallytoughwomen.com. I help men too. I love men. It's just that that's where my strength is understanding and language and everything. And and I'm using it to, as a base because I believe women have the least amount of skills in these areas. They have them hidden, but they, they aren't letting them show for whatever reason, you know, and, and it holds them back. And so that's where I think we need to not enable bad behavior, and I think women have the potential there, but my courses absolutely work for everyone who wants to learn. And so mentallytoughwomen.com, there is a tab there that's called Stress Tools. That's where you'll find the free courses. That's where you'll find the place to order the book. And if you want to wander around and take a look at some of the other things that are on the website, why I do what I do, and some of the things, fabulous people that I've been with. Um, yep, yeah, that's where you can do it, mentallytoughwomen.com, and, and you can reach out and contact me there, or just Deb at mentallytoughwomen.com. Deb, thank you again for being my guest today. Uh, very interesting <clears throat> period we've just done, <clears throat> and I'm getting ready to <clears throat> clear my throat. <laughs> I understand um, that. I have that. Sorry, it's catching. I had it at the. <laughs> I I love to give people new set of glasses, John. So I hope I gave you. I don't change the facts. The world is a okay. tough place to live. The world is tough, and a lot of the odds are against us, but we can prevail. And I want to thank my listeners for tuning in to Searching for Integrity. So long, and happy trails to all. Aloha.